Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Easy. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven Singer.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. (laughs) I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck you, Bruce. I love you. Something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson, the best of Pat Patterson. All the clips you're about to hear are from episodes of Something to Wrestle With that are available and archived over at somethingtowrestle.com or are clips that were previously exclusive to adfreeshows.com. Now on with the show, Something to Wrestle With Bruce Pritchard presents the best of Pat Patterson. Let's kick it off with episode 100 of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard on Brother Love. Pat saw the character for the first time probably at TV in full regalia. What was his so, reaction? And about my God, Bruce 
Wilson, look at you. We don't even know it's you. Wow, and a place of brother love. I love it. Oh, God. Uh, what? What is it? <laughs> Pretty much. But well, you know, Pat. Well, Pat got on board, and Pat was pretty, pretty damn, you know, supportive with it and everything. But it was uh, he he was happy for me, and I don't think until Pat was getting a lot of it from Vince, you know, so he was getting Vince's interpretation of the character a lot of times, and and I had Vince and I we we were on the same page, um, and as much as as I say, it was, you know, it was my idea. It was my thing. Vince is the one that really helped me so much with those nuances and and the little tiny details. Like the 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 uh, and the pause and 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 the cadence and you know, really getting me to take my time. It was it was little things that when you're creating a character and you're trying to come up with things that you miss because you're so excited to get the character out. You miss the nuances and you miss the details. And Vince, when I would do it, instead of starting out telling me what to do, he would listen to what was in my head and then he would pull me back and edit. And produce and and hit hit the nuances and hit the details with things. So there there were things that just happened, but I dare say that without without Vince really getting behind the character and believing in it, it wouldn't have been what it was. Right. Because he 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 liked it. Um. He knew it. He understood it. And he brought it all together and it just helped me pull that little shit together to make it actually mean something. Now, the people that were in the studio that I worked with on a day-to-day basis were kind of like, what the fuck? You know, what the hell is Bruce going to do on camera? He's not a wrestler. Like, Okay, let me back up here for a minute. A minute ago, you said... You know, all Pat knew was what Vince had told him and what Vince saw in the character. He hadn't really talked to me about. So you were sort of starting down the path of we're on different pages or we had some differences, but then you immediately said we're on the same page. So in, in theory, the character, you guys were on the same page, but there were some little differences between what Vince had told Pat about the character versus the way you sort of envisioned it. What were those? I think that it was just more in the presentation of, of Vince pitching it to Pat because I had pitched it to Pat early on as what I saw when I pitched it to Vince and Vince had kind of shit on me and told me to go find somebody. So I'd pitched it to Vince, but now Pat working with Vince every day and Vince kind of giving his version of this character we're going to do with Brucey. God damn. He's going to be an evangelist, Pat. Yeah, that's great. He's going to be a, what, what is an evangelist? A doctor? What is it? I don't know. So it just was, I guess, I, I guess it was just the nuanced stuff. It was the, the heel tendencies, the, the, I love you and the, the slowdown and the obnoxiousness and the in your face 
in the camera, the fisheye lenses with the real severe, weird close-ups. Um, it just was, I, I don't know that, I don't know that anybody got it till we saw it until it actually happened on the set with the podium and all that shit. Um, I don't think anybody got it until that actually happened. So did you go out and buy just one white suit or did you buy multiples? I wasn't that confident in it. (laughs) I got one white suit. Couldn't find a red shirt in Stanford, Connecticut. Imagine that. Um, but I found a really deep, like pink, a dark pink shirt. So the first incarnation of brother love was with a pink shirt and a kind of a off white suit and a white tie. And white and Michelle, Michelle Carlucci is the one that found it for me. And who's Michelle Carlucci? Michelle Carlucci, man. She basically runs the studio now and she was my assistant at the time. And she, uh, has been there forever, been there longer than I have was M, you know, um, so she helps you source some of this stuff. I mean, you just run on down to the mall and pick it up at JC Penney's or where are you picking this stuff up at? Brothers. Oh God. What's the name of the shop. And I'm, I'm serious. And it was, it was in the hood and the name of it was brothers. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. From something to wrestle with episode 108 on King of the ring, 1998. When all this shit's happening and the, the choke slam through the cage. I knew, I knew the two big bumps and I knew the finish, but I didn't know what they were going to do immediately after the, the bump into the ring. And I'm screaming in the backstage for Pat Patterson. I'm going fucking nuts. And I'm, I'm angry at this point because Pat's the agent for the match. And he's not there a gorilla to talk me through the thing. And Jerry Briscoe comes up to me and, and sits me down and says, what do you want? I said, I've got to know what the hell, what, what we're doing here. What, what was planned here? What can we cut out? What can we do? What's going on? Where the fuck is Pat? And Jerry just looks at me. He says, he got a call about Louie and Louie was Pat's partner for many, many, many years, 35 plus years. And shut me down. I looked at him and said, oh, my God. I says, Louie, okay? And Jerry just looks at him and says, he's dead. Oh, man. And here's Jerry. Here I am, Pat Patterson, best friend in the business, Jerry Briscoe, another best friend in the business. And the two of us, we've got a job to do in front of us. I'm screaming like an asshole and a lunatic for Pat, not knowing what had happened. I think Jerry knew. I, I don't even know if Vince knew at that point. And, uh, just that, you know, that calm comes over you and, and it's, it's a, 
it's a surreal feeling because all all this other shit that you think is so important becomes really unimportant and your priorities go just it was just it was fucked up so like in all of that pat's getting getting a phone call that that louie has passed i'm yelling for pat where the fuck are you to tell to talk me through this wrestling match and briscoe gives me the news is as cool and as calmly as somebody can do that. And just looked at me and was like, let's just get through this because to everybody else that didn't matter. And we just got through it. And then you're looking at, you're looking at guys in the ring that are putting their bodies on the line and risking their life. Literally taking bumps and doing this crazy shit that you wonder, wow, is, is it all worth all that? And I wonder sometimes, man, it just, I said, I said to Mick, then I've said to Mick today, you know, a big, I just hated the punishment he put his body through. I really and truly did his, his body, his head, everything. And, um, it was just a crazy night, man. It was a fucked up night. I don't know where to go from here, man. You, uh, you just dropped a lot on us. That's a lot to process here. You know, it, it was, it put shit in perspective, I guess, because, Like I said, it, it's for, for the moment you're, you're worried about, you're worried about a wrestling show. And in the, in the, in the midst of this wrestling show, you see a couple of your friends out there putting, risking their, their life and doing this incredible stunt work, I guess you could call it, but stuntmen wouldn't be as crazy to do some of the things that Mick Foley did in the middle of that real life is happening backstage. And you just gotta, you gotta put your smile on and move on and and keep going and not let anybody know. Um, I, this is another, you know, another night, you know, the the rock, uh, because rock and Pat were very close and, and, and thank God he was there to, to, you know, be with Pat and shit. And, and I think Linda McMahon was there, but it was, uh, yeah, man, it was just, it was a lot of shit. You know, that's the untold, that's the untold portion of the hell in a cell in Pittsburgh that night of everything else going on and, and Pat losing, losing Louie, uh, well, it was just a, a crazy, crazy night. And then, you know, they, 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 they went on and I remember Vince just sitting there thinking, you know, God damn, tell them to go home. You know, wh- what, what else are they going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know Mick had a, had a thumbtack spot in here, but I think they're going to skip that. And then he goes and gets the fucking thumbtacks. So it was, um, 
it was a night to remember. It's a night I will never, ever, ever forget just on so many, so many levels. Um, craziness, craziness, man. There's never been a better time to go to savewithconrad.com than right now. We make saving money fast and easy, but don't take my word for it. Ask Frankie Kazarian in California. Wait, the Frankie Kazarian? Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian. You know, one half of the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions as a part of SCU. Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian you see on TNT on AEW Dynamite every single Wednesday night. The Frankie Kazarian got hooked up at SaveWithConrad.com. He left us a five-star review and had this to say. Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond. Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond a delight to do business with. We wanted to do some major renovations and additions to our home that made this process incredibly easy and comfortable for us. They were always there to answer any questions we had and help us every step of the way. I cannot recommend them enough. Their professionalism is second to none, and they were a pleasure to do business with. Frankie Kazarian. Well, thank you, Mr. Kazarian, for the five-star review. I hope you and the missus enjoy turning your house into your home. Frankie knew what to do. He went to SaveWithConrad.com. He told his old mortgage company, SCU Later. How about this? When you go to SaveWithConrad.com, you're going to realize that you're currently in the worst mortgage you've ever been in. SaveWithConrad.com can help, though. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention no house payments for two months? We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you don't need perfect credit. So if we can't save you cash, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free, just like Frankie did, at SaveWithConrad.com. From episode 84, available at SomethingToWrestle.com, the 1988 Royal Rumble. So it's sort of interesting to see how this all takes place, and it's kind of fun to think about. And I think we've talked about this recently, and even in the last few weeks, that in a weird way, Dusty Rhodes is sort of the innovator behind the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, because they're both shows that are done in response to what Jim Crockett Promotions is doing. Of course, we know that Survivor Series 87, which we just covered, is actually a show done in response to Starcade 87. Well, this show is sort of more of the same. Jim Crockett Promotions has decided they wanted to sort of double down on pay-per-view, and they're going to do the Bunkhouse Stampede, which we're going to be covering over with uh, Tony Schiavone at whwmonday.com. So you guys counter-program it with a free special here, not head-to-head on pay-per-view, but to sort of undermine the buys. Now, I expect you to do a little bit of wiggling here, but we have to admit that this is counter-programming for Bunkhouse Stampede. Do we not? Absolutely. It, it definitely was, and it was Cro- Crockett's first attempt at pay-per-view. So Vince did not want them to have a, a huge success on pay-per-view. So we were the premier pay-per-view provider at the time. Why not offer a free show and offer it on our cable partner, USA Network? So you guys are running a show about 350 miles away, uh, from where Crockett is doing his thing. Crockett is in Nassau Coliseum, which certainly feels like Vince McMahon territory. And you guys are of course, uh, going to do this, uh, Royal rumble show 
in Hamilton, Ontario. Does it feel like a little bit of a, a slight or an invitation of war, so to speak, that they're running their show inside of New York? It was the first time that they had been, well, I, I don't know if it was the first time because they had run the Meadowlands, but in the traditional New York market and running one of our buildings as far as uh, the Long Island building, yeah, it was, uh, they fired that shots. So we're like, okay, let's go. So we're going, you know, through a string here of shows like this survivor series and Starcade, and then Royal rumble and bunkhouse stampede. And the next major show is going to be WrestleMania four. So since Vince sort of counter-programmed with a free special, the clash of the champions will be created and sting is going to become a made man against Ric Flair on the day of WrestleMania four. Is this the most bitter rivalry that Vince has had. I mean, he really hasn't had anyone sort of stand up to him in this level of competition with any of the other territories, right? The only guys that really stood up to Vince and, and fought during the day were Crockett did Bill Watts did and Paul Bosch in, in that, uh, mid South Houston area where Watts ran free shows against him and, and Watts did everything that he possibly could to protect his territory in the Mid-South area. Crockett had a stronghold in the South, in the Carolinas, and in Georgia. But during this time, this was probably our most formidable competition was Jim Crockett. It was really our only competition at that time. So Pat Patterson is the guy behind these ideas, uh, specifically the Royal Rumble. And I think most people who are listening to this probably just remember Pat Patterson as one of, uh, Mr. McMahon's on air stooges more so than being the first intercontinental champion who historically won that at a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. And you were telling me that your dad was actually at that tournament in Rio and saw Pat Patterson win, right? One of his top five. I think that was his number one intercontinental championship match that he ever saw. In Rio and back then wrestling was more of a shoot. So for Pat to be able to best all those guys in Rio it with your dad there, I mean, it's, it's something that people will talk about forever. Are you kidding me? It was the greatest tournament Rio de Janeiro ever saw that week. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's a wonder that Pat doesn't get more credit since it was in Brazil for the creation of jujitsu. You know, I mean, that's the way Pat was able to win. I don't know that everybody is in the loop, but tell everybody what Pat's finishing maneuver was to take home the crown that day. The double reverse Fernum. That's and it. not every, but not every, you know, people can do the reverse Fernum. It's the double reverse Fernum that is extremely tricky. And very few people have ever been able to master that. It's sort of like Tanya Harding's triple axle, right? Lots of people do the double, but when you go triple, I mean, that's that yeah. Pat Patterson level of the double reverse Fernum. So, exactly. And once he's got it on you, man, you're nothing you can do. Uh, the difference of course, between the Royal rumble and a traditional over the top battle Royal is that the participants come into the match at different intervals, not all the same time at the very beginning of the match. And Pat Patterson is the brainchild behind this. And he wrote in his book, I wanted to create something special, something just like we had in San Francisco, where it had been such a hot event. The more I kept running the idea over in my mind, the more it took shape. And I was sure that I was on to something. 
I felt it. Every instinct in my body told me it would work. So I finally brought the idea to Vince and he laughed at the concept at first saying that an hour was way too long to keep the fans interested. I didn't get upset. I knew sometimes he needed time for my ideas to sink in, but I made sure to say, all right, but keep it in mind. Will you? Because I know this will work. Now, of course, we're going to talk about how this came to be, but when do you remember Pat Patterson first mentioning this concept? Is this something that you had heard about months before and you were just waiting on the right time or place to do it? I heard it right about the time that we were talking about doing this live special on USA it was the first time I'd ever heard Pat pitch the concept. It was interesting and it was different. It wasn't the traditional he kept, I think what killed, not killed it because obviously it came to life, but what was killing it in Vince's head was Pat continuously called it a battle Royal. And Vince just didn't feel that an hour long battle Royal was going to hold the crowd's attention. He thought, Oh God, that'll be boring as hell. But the way Pat was explaining it with a new participant coming every two minutes, he's like a brand new match starts every two minutes. And then you get rid of people and there's more people that come in, but the big pitch that I remember from Pat was that every two minutes you've got a brand new match because you got a brand new guy in the ring. So it's going to keep it exciting. It's going to keep it going. And people are going to look, be looking back wondering who's next to come out into the thing. So it sounded good to me. I liked the idea, but I also came from a place where the 22 man battle Royal was a huge event. And that was something I was pitching. So you were pitching a 22 man. Well, a 22 man two ring battle Royal I should clarify that that was something that, uh, Paul Bosch had done every year around January. It was two rings and you had 22 guys start in one ring. They throw their opponent into the second ring. Then a new battle Royal starts over there. They throw out to the floor when someone rings wins ring number one, they wait until everybody fights out ring number two, the winner of ring number one meets the winner of ring number two for the championship money. Uh, it feels a little bit like a WCW concept that they did with battle bowl. Um, what do you remember about 22? Is there some sort of special reason that it's 22 guys, as opposed to say 20? I think it was just something that, that Paul liked and it was a 22 man, two ring battle. We, uh, all the twos, 22 men, two ring battle Royal for $22,000. Everybody had to pay a thousand dollar entry fee to get into it. Oh, no, that's a fun gimmick. Okay. So let's talk about how the actual Royal rumble comes to be. Do you guys call up USA and say, Hey, we'd like to do a special and you're trying to counter program Crockett or does someone from USA say, Hey, we'd like a special, whatever you can figure out a time to do one. How does Dick Ebersol fit into this? I know he had worked on a lot of the Saturday night's main event shows. You can check out our Dick was everywhere shirt over at brucepritchard.com, but here he's doing something with USA. How does all this come to be? Well, the USA network had come to Vince and was looking for some more specials. We had done the slammies and they were like, we, we want some more special event type shows from you guys. Coincidentally, here's the perfect time. Crockett's running on pay-per-view. Why not give them a special right opposite that? And it worked. It was a great coincidence, 
that USA was looking for more specials, and so Vince was able to provide this for him. Dick Ebersol was coincidentally not doing anything at the time. It's just kind of hanging out. Dick didn't have any official any official anything in, in as far as negotiations with USA or anything like that. Dick just happened to be a part of this. That seems kind of weird. Uh, if he's a, if he's an NBC guy, why is he a part of this? Well, he wasn't an NBC guy at the time. He will, he had his own company at this time. Uh, Dick w- had his own production company. He was doing his own productions. We had done Saturday night's main event at NBC but Dick had his own production company and he would work with Vince on different specials and do some different things. Dick was a big part of the Slammies presentation and they were friends. So as far as this, it was a live television special. And the first one we did, Dick was going to tag along and help us out on it. Don't you love when Dick tags along? Ah, he was everywhere. So in Pat Patterson's book, he writes that Dick was not impressed with the card that you guys wrote originally and Vince, when he hears this suggests Pat tell Dick about your stupid idea for that battle Royal. And of course, Pat then goes into pitching. Do you remember that meeting? Were you there when Dick sees what the original idea was? And he's like, eh, I I don't know if it's the original, original meeting, but yes, I was there for the, uh, for a meeting with Dick and we were all kind of looking at the card and it was all centered around Hulk and Andre contract signing for this big February 5th or whatever date it was for the main event on NBC. It was all about the, the signing of the next one-on-one match Hulk and Andre. And it had a little bit of wrestling around it. The card did suck. I mean, look at it. It, it was not on paper, it wasn't good. And then, uh, in execution, it wasn't all that great. Didn't hold up that well, all these many years later. So thank God for Dick because he spoke up <laughs> and said, yeah, this, this is not a good card. We need something else. We need an attraction. We need something with a little pizzazz. And that's when Vince came up with the Ed, pitch him. And Pat went on to, to pitch what is now considered one of the greatest pay-per-views of the year, the Royal rumble. So the match, what was on the original, um, card that we didn't wind up seeing here. Well, so what did the Royal rumble match itself replace? I think it was probably two more matches that I can't even remember with one of them being dug in and there may have been another tag match in there, but it was, it was all matches. It was all just matches that was essentially a live, um, for lack of a better term, this was a a Madison Square Garden show or a a Prism Philadelphia show or a Boston Garden show. There wasn't anything that was really special that was must-see TV. It was just a bunch of wrestling matches. So it would have been a card much like you would have seen at any other arena. It's worth mentioning that the day before you guys were in Landover, Maryland and Lexington, Kentucky doing double shots. Uh, one of those shows was a matinee. And then here on the 24th, you're also running a show in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That show has sensational Sherry, rock and Robin, Coco beware, Sika, 
uh, the Rougeau brothers, conquistadors, demolition acts and demolition smash in singles matches. Ken Patera's in one of those Brutus, the barber beefcake, uh, Greg Valentine, hockey talk, man, and Randy Savage are all on that one. And that's head to head with the Royal rumble from 1988. And I guess the reason I, I, I wanted to point that out is we're talking about how, and you, you believe at this point, things are sort of already in place for Randy Savage to be the top guy at WrestleMania, but he's not even on the Royal rumble. Because he was already booked and Vince didn't want to rebook it. This wasn't, you know, this was to spotlight and get us to the main event, which was going to be in February. Um, so Vince wanted to get there first before he was even thinking about WrestleMania and Savage was spotlighted and, uh, featured on the main event, but here he was already booked. They needed somebody on top to draw in Nova Scotia. That's why Randy was there. And Vince just thought by having this, uh, show in Hamilton and putting it on the air where we could do TV there, it was just another show and it was going to feature Andre and Hulk. And that was all they needed. The Royal rumble was pretty much a mistake. You guys do TV the very next day at Madison square garden. Uh, and you guys are selling out everywhere. You know, you sold out here in Hamilton and there's 16,200 paid. Uh, it was announced at 18,000, but there was really about 18,000 folks in the building the next day in Madison square garden. It's 19,000 and change. It's another sellout the day after that Hershey 9,000, but 9,000 is a sellout. You guys are selling out pretty much everywhere that you go, but how far in advance did you put tickets on sale? for the Royal rumble, because you announced that you're going to be sort of counter-programming the bunkhouse stampede, but this doesn't feel like something you have a bunch of lead time on, right? No, we really didn't. And tickets at that time in the different areas, they would go on sale because we ran that area a lot. We ran it off in either Toronto or Hamilton, Ontario. I don't know exactly this specific promotion, but it was probably only six to eight weeks. If that. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to I hate and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate from adfreeshows.com, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe at the roast of Bruce Pritchard from Starcast. 
I had individual intros for these two. We decided to put them together, so I'm not going to waste time. These are two of the greats of all fucking time. The first Intercontinental Champion, a legendary tag team champion several times. I'm very scared of these guys. They can whoop my ass if their nurses say it's okay. Uh, please, come on. Give it up for the Stooges, the greatest in the world. Mr. Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. Come on, everybody. The Jewish guy wrote my lines there. Pat. Oh, my God. I got to take a piss, you know. <laughs> I ain't fucking lying. You want me to piss on you? I will. It wouldn't be the first time. You know, Pat. Uh, <laughs> Just tell him a story. Tell him you love him. You know what I mean? Who's that? Bruce? Yeah, Bruce, yeah. Uh, you, you know, know, you know, probably who spent the most time with Bruce Pritchard in, in, in their entire career was Probably you and then me second. But yeah, but I would. I got a question. Was it really? No, 80, no, 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 no. Weeks, wait, wait, Eric, wait, wait, wait. was it, it was, really three eighty three? Eighty three straight weeks. Yeah. Eighty three straight weeks, not eighty three straight weeks. Pat, when he says straight, you get nervous. Okay, Pat. <laughs> That's what I tell him. I go both ways. Don't you get it? Traveling up and down the highway, you know, you get to become very, very close friends with people and you learn secrets that sometimes you wish you hadn't known. And that's, that's what we learned about the guy sitting on the throne down there. And, uh, and Pat, one of your favorite stories about Bruce Pritchard is what? No, he's boring. <laughs> what? He doesn't play golf. He doesn't play any sport. He's boring. What can I do? That's, I'm glad you're, you're going to talk, not me. So that's the reason he got along with Vince McMahon so, so many years there. You know, one time, uh, just a quick story on Bruce Pritchard. Uh, everybody up here has kind of echoed, you know, Bruce kind of followed Vince around. You know, he's kind of that guy that, uh, that was attached to him, you know, kind of like that wallet in your rear pocket there. But Bruce never reached for that wallet. He always reached for Vince's wallet there. But, but uh, one time we're doing TV. We're writing TV at, at, at your house. Now, Pat has one of these glass houses in Connecticut. You remember that glass house you had there, Bruce? That gimmick, the gimmick house. But he, uh, the entire back wall was completely glass-plated. And I'm a Florida boy, and I come, I come, come up from Florida, and then, you know, I get involved. I always heard the work habits of these guys, you know, Bruce and uh, and Pat, and especially Vince. So, so I, I'm 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 there writing TV, and all of a sudden a storm starts blowing in. And uh, you know, we well, let's take a little breath, let's go have lunch. So we go down to one of Pat's favorite places, and. One of those Connecticut towns, I, I never committed any of them to memory because that's the worst place in the world. It can be the only good thing about, uh, about Connecticut is I-95 South. But anyway, anyway, so Pat has this beautiful glass house. So we go to lunch and, you know, I see Vince. Vince, you know, Vince has got this body on him. He takes these, all these GMC supplements, you know, that you buy over the counter there. And I, I see him taking the supplements, and I, I see Bruce taking supplements. And, you know, we go back to Pat's house. We start working. All of a sudden, you know, Pat, Vince, Vince 
opens up and he passes gas like you've never heard in your life. I mean, just it echoed those glass panes in that house. A patch was just shaking. It sounded like a freight train coming through. And then Bruce says, you know, Bruce decides to, to follow up. And so he, he passes gas, and God knows a Texas and passing gas is not a pleasant sight. So the Pat, okay, Pat's into it. So Pat gets ready to pass gas, and we're all waiting, and all of a sudden, whoosh, that's all there is. There ain't no more. So anyway, so Bruce says, excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom. Now, now why, you know, Vince takes these supplements because he wants to look good. Bruce takes the supplements because Vince does. No particular reason. Look at that body there. I mean, not, not, no, not Vince McMahon's body there. But anyway, Bruce goes back and, you know, it's, it's well known that I got a very weak stomach. So Bruce goes back to Pat's bathroom. He lays one out. He lays one out for, for all of ages. So, Briscoe. Don't you have to go to the bathroom? And they're waiting for me to go to the bathroom. So I finally get up and I got to go relieve myself. I go walk in and, and there's everywhere. So I start vomiting and come out and they're all laughing at me. But uh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce would do anything that Vince asked him to do. And, uh, and some of the things that Vince wouldn't ask him to do. Pat, yeah. you remember the time when he cleared a hotel in Boston, uh, Massachusetts for two nights in a row? I think one night was in your room and he lit up and uh, the fire alarm went off. And the next night he comes to my room. I think I'm getting the story right, right, Bruce? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> What's well, not the truth of the story, it's the delivery of the fucking story, okay? And it's my story and I'm going to tell it my way. So. Anyway, two nights in a row, it's a brand new hotel, the Boston Embassy Hotel at Logan Airport, $455 a night, and Bruce got Vince's credit card, and he's tipping everybody. So second night in a row, Bruce goes, uh, comes to my room, and he said, I'm going to show you how Hulk Hogan does it. So he goes in my bathroom. I said, what do you, what do you, no, not another one of those. So he goes in the bathroom, comes out for this hairspray. He said, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan taught him this trick. And Eric Bischoff was in the room, I believe. So he gets up, he go walks over, he gets up in a chair. Hold his line. Oh, wow. <laughs> Should I put it here? No, I'm not going to do anything back there. So. Takes a hairnet out and he puts it over the fire extinguisher. Oh, pretty brilliant. Yeah, well, Brutus and Hulk told me how to do that. Awesome. If they do it, well, you know it's right. But where'd you go, Patterson? I'm left alone again. So anyway, so Bruce lights up. As soon as Bruce lights up, you know, I'm, I'm just watching is all I'm doing. I'm just watching. So Bruce lights up and all of a sudden, two nights in a row at this embassy suite hotel. Everybody evacuate the rooms. So we go down the lobby. The night before, everybody in the hotel evacuated the damn room. So we go down the lobby and Bruce, are look, Bruce and I are looking around. We're the only two motherfuckers in the lobby. True or not, Bruce? True. That part's true. We're only two. two what well, that part's true? We're the only two guys in the lobby. So here comes a security guard over. Uh, I guess you guys are in room 728 or 714, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was 714. It's not important to the story. 
The room was very important, Bruce. So yeah, Bruce said, yes, sir. He said, I was in there. That was my room. And I said, yes, sir, he was. And I get up and I leave Mr. Pritchard there. But he, he's a friend, but he's a friend that, that will not let you in his hotel room if a fire alarm's going off. And that happened to him again in Seattle, Washington. But it was in my room this time. So Bruce takes off and he runs down to the, uh, to the end of the hall. He's like four rooms down. Where'd you go? <laughs> he left. So he's running, he's running. Picture this, Bruce Pritchard's running. <laughs> this was 300 plus. This was Dusty Rhodes, 1974, Bruce Pritchard too, by the way. <laughs> The, the uh, birthmark was this big at that time. So, so anyway, he runs down there. So all, all of a sudden, I look out my hotel window, and I see fire trucks. The Seattle SeaTac Fire Department is coming to my door. All of a sudden, I see the elevator doors open. I'm looking out at that little Pico. I see firefighters carrying axes, fire hose. So I run out my door. They're running in my door. So I run down, bang on Bruce's door. Bruce, let me in. He peeks out. You have a little change there. He peeks out. He looks down. I said, Bruce, let me in. They're after me. No. <laughs> Why do you mean no? I'm not letting you in my fucking room. It's your problem. His shit, my room, and who does he blame? The Indian. So, of course, I take all the heat again. I go down there. Well, I was just taking a shower, and I turned the hot water on, and... Uh, because this is how he told me to lie to the, to the first responders. There. Just tell me you're taking a shower and you pass out in the seat and all the steam set off the fire alarm there. So if you ever get in that predicament, now you know Bruce Pritchard's story to it. But anyway, it, it's been, uh, Pat Patterson deserted me and I'm making a fool of myself up here. But, Pat, did you buy me a beer? No. So anyway, I'm still talking. So anyway... Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank each and every one of these, these, these great members, uh, my cohort workers here on, on this stage uh, for their great delivery tonight. And uh, when, when Conrad called me and I said, Conrad, I need a lot of help. He said, don't worry, I got you Pat Patterson. I hired three riders. He hired a black guy, a Jewish guy, and a hillbilly. And I, I, I get Pat Patterson for help. But ladies and gentlemen, this is to honor uh, Bruce Pritchard, one of the greatest guys that you'll ever travel up and down the road with. I've spent 50 years with him, and Pat Patterson spent 75 years in positions that I don't even know about. Wait, wait a minute, Jerry. Jerry, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Repeat, when I left there, you started talking about the... Why don't you tell me the story? I, I didn't hear it. Would you know how to do it again? A little... You, about the fart that they were talking about? Yeah. Passing gas? Yeah, like, tell me the story. I, I left. Oh, when, 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 I like where'd you go? Huh? Where'd you go? I would take a leak. I feel so good, man. Oh, uh, okay, Mr. McMahon's not going to approve of this. Bob. But anyway. <laughs> well, I can't make you laugh because when I was with Bruce, we were just working. Period. Really. We laughed at people, that we did, every day, we, no matter what it was, we'd laugh, but I can't make you laugh, that's all. But later, I'm going to sing, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right? So who's next? I got you. Thank you, 
Pat. Give it up for Pat. Thank you. We got to close the booth. We got 10 minutes. Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, everybody. Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. So listen, this year is going to be a little different, especially when it comes to our holiday season. And with the holidays just around the corner, you're probably looking for a way to stay connected with your loved ones this holiday season, especially with so many people deciding not only do we need to social distance, but maybe we don't need to get together this year. So if you're like me, you're probably thinking, man, I wish I could give a gift to say grandma that could make it feel like she's with us during the holidays. If you're not able to visit right now during this current situation, I got to recommend the skylight frame. It's a touchscreen photo frame that allows you to email photos and they appear in seconds. So your loved ones can see what you're up to and feel less lonely. That's what makes this so special for the people in your life. They feel connected even long distance and it's real time, man. You really do have to check out the skylight frame. You can go ahead and set this up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Literally, you just plug it in, use the touchscreen and connect to your wireless network and enjoy. It really is effortless to send photos here too. Here's how this works. Everyone in the whole family can just throw an email together and boom, you have your own personal skylight email address and it pops up on that frame in seconds. People can send photos from a large network. So if your family is large or small, you're still good to go. By the way, it's universal because this is a black frame with a white mat. So it's really going to class up the joint no matter where you're sticking it in your house or your office for that matter. Uh, But this is really a home run. You don't have to take my word for it. Get this in your hands. It's a gorgeous 10 inch screen. You can swipe through the photos with your finger. You can even tap that image to go ahead and thank the person who sent you the photo. So you get a little uh, communication going. Maybe best of all though, it's a hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed. Dude, if you don't love the skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. And what I did, and we've talked about this before here on the show, is I made sure my mother-in-law got one. And when she got it, it was preloaded with pictures. So as soon as she plugs it in, boom, there's pictures. Uh, we're going to make sure that we help her connect it to her Wi-Fi. And ta-da, we can email photos in real time. It really is so simple that my non-tech savvy mother-in-law could do this without any help. And I thought for sure, we're going to need to help her with that. Nope. Uh, moms and dads, grandparents alike, everyone can set this up and check this out. If you scroll over to their Facebook page, you'll see reviews like this. This is such an isolating time as we're just trying to keep my grandma safe and healthy, but this gives her a glimpse of us every day. And then when we talk on the phone, she can talk to the boys about the picture we sent. Dude, that's what skylight frame is all about. Bringing families together. Now is a special offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame. When you go to skylightframe.com. And enter the promo code WRESTLE. That's right. Get $10 off of your purchase of a skylight frame by just going to skylightframe.com and entering the promo code WRESTLE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. And the promo code is WRESTLE. From Something to Wrestle With, Episode 154, The Raw is War, from May 10th, 1999 ministry comes down puts a stop to that the union uh this match the union slides in and uh they all tag team up on viscera who was just in the last segment but one of these members of the union who's involved in that is mankind so literally in the last segment it was cactus jack and viscera in a hardcore match now in the next segment they're both back out here and this is the 
one of the highest rated segments in the history of raw here. And I can't believe this is real. It's this the is main, the highest rated this one right here. It's the main street posse and they're going to be taking on the stooges, Pete gas and friends on their way to the ring here. And the stooges are about to come out. Of course, we're talking about Matt Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Yeah, and who'd have thunk it that these two kids, along with Billy Pirro, who used to hang out at the house all the time, Shane's best buds, would be actually be in a wrestling ring wrestling with Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. That's just the astonishing part to me. I guess we should mention here, this is a rematch from last week. You've seen the clips last week where the Stooges are really getting the better of the Main Street Posse, and they're doing a rematch here with uh, special instructions from Shawn Michaels, where he says the losers would have to leave the WWF forever. And, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan is, is obviously one of the top stars for WCW and iconic for the WWF. So they're going to have batters and Briscoe come out and rip their shirts off in their entrance to real American and cup their ears and do the whole Hulk Hogan routine. And of course, Briscoe reveals uh, a shirt for his body shop, uh, Briscoe brothers body shop. It's worth the drive. And then of course, Pat Patterson has on a shirt that looks like old school iron on letters that just says, uh, first IC champion. And what city did that happen in Rio? <laughs> that's all. That's all you could get out of Pat was Rio since he couldn't say De Janeiro. He would say, I had a better Rio. Ah, fuck you. Two of the all-time greats here. Uh, and Pat Patterson's taking the body slam on the outside. Of course he is. Back in the day, taking a body slam on the floor on the outside. That would have been a big time thing on TV. And, and here they're just breaking it out to start the match. And boy, Briscoe's like a house of fire. Just laying, laying the wood to everybody here. Oh, hell yeah. That's that baby face Briscoe comeback, man. I feel hey, like you better watch the left. I feel like this is the type of shit that he's doing to uh, Bradshaw and Eric Bischoff in the bars. Absolutely. I've had, I've had that comeback thrown on me more than once, especially the damn fireman carries and the suplexes and bullshit. Yeah. Gerald is, um, Gerald's almost 70 years old. He may actually be 70. I don't know that old bastard. He could still whip my ass. He's looking good too. He's, he's even in much better shape now than he was here. Yes, he is. But you know, shit, son of a bitch here, 50 years old. And he, he could still go and probably whip everybody on the card. The exception of Kurt Angle and Ken Shamrock. Look at these devastating kicks. Think about it, Conrad. Right now, you are witnessing the highest-rated segment in Raw history, the Mean Street Posse, and Pete Gass getting ready to whip the shit out of Jerry Briscoe with his own belt. Come on, Pat. Hit him with your helmet. Oh, there you go. Out of bed. Fuck you. Pat, Pat, you know, the funny thing is Pat and Jerry trying to do wrestling spots. 
<laughs> with Pete and Rod, and they have no fucking clue at all. They're just trying their best. Okay, I'm going over and I'm going to break my leg. It's okay. What a segment. Briscoe's putting on the figure four, and uh, Patterson locking in the Boston Crab, and they get the submission win. What a segment. And the crowd's actually super into it. I know that, you yes. know, some of this stuff doesn't age well, but my goodness, the crowd was into this. And, and you know what? To me, I think that this aged very well. I, it's, it's still fun to watch to this day. And you look at it and you can tell just the enthusiasm of Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson, two old pros that, you know, never forgot. And they still have what it takes. And they were still able to go out there and perform. There is a, uh, I guess I should tell you here as he's stripping off his shirt. And oh yeah. Air, JR on commentary is going to finish this segment by saying, and fellas, he's single. By God, he is too. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. You notice Briscoe kept his shirt on. I love that Pat's just cool with hamming it up. Oh yeah. Without a doubt, man. And I guarantee if he were to drop his drawers, they'd be yellow in front, brown in the back. That's how he knows which way to put them on. Right? Of course. Don't doesn't everybody, whether you rent or own Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com easy episode 126 of something to wrestle with on the hardcore championship. Godfather taking on crash and uh, one of the hoes, which I believe is Bobcat for Maryland. She'd been working in Memphis a little bit around this era pins crash to win the title for a few seconds, but then he rolls her up, pulling up her dress. So you get the good panty shot and regains the title. Is this the first time you had a hardcore ho champion? It was, but I don't think it would be the last. Yeah. Were there other hardcore hoes sort of behind the scenes? Well, you know, oh my gosh. On the May 18th SmackDown, we see crash sleeping in a room, trying to get rest, but because of the 24 seven rule, Gerald Briscoe and a referee tiptoe into the room and the ref counts three on crash. So now Briscoe is the hardcore champion, but they make noise leaving the room and crash wakes up and it winds up in the ring with crash beating up Briscoe until Patterson comes out. Crash breaks broomsticks on Briscoe, and then Patterson pulls down his pants and shows his underwear. What's the rule of thumb? Anytime Pat's going to show his underwear on TV, yellow in the front, brown in the back. Crash stops Patterson with a low blow and then takes the broomstick and sticks it right up Patterson's ass. How much fun were you having with this? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, there comes a point where you just have to have fun. Damn it. You know, what's fun too, is in this era, um, Gerald Briscoe is perceived to be an old timer and he's way out of place. He shouldn't be here. Yeah. 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 He's 53 when he wins the hardcore title, which coincidentally is the exact same age as Shawn Michaels and the undertaker today. Um, the day of crown jewel and Jerry Briscoe at 53 could probably whip uh, 98% of the guys on the roster in, in real fight. But seeing your buddies involved here for the hardcore title, you know, with the underwear spots and pinning a guy in his sleep, 
these are your buds. You had to be getting a kick out of this. Oh God. We had a blast with it because we just, you know, <laughs> the stooges were fun to work with and they were always entertaining. So we just try and think of different predicaments to stick them in. On the June 12th raw crash would pin Patterson and Briscoe before Briscoe ran off and they wind up in the ring uh, where crash can pin Briscoe in two minutes and 27 seconds to win the hardcore title. Uh, lots of silliness here, garbage cans and whatnot. A week later, he beats Bob Holly by DQ and after the match, uh, Bob decks him backstage. They're doing a celebration and Patterson breaks a bottle over Briscoe's head and pins him. So at 59 years old, Pat Patterson is the hardcore champion. And that gets us to the June 25th King of the ring where crash would regain the hardcore title by interfering in the evening gown match between Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson. I wish I was making this up. I just want to start that sentence again. Crash regains the hardcore title by interfering in the evening gown match between Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson in two minutes and 47 seconds. Patterson and Briscoe were dressed in dresses with women's underwear, lipstick, stuffed bras and wigs. And, uh, yeah. Well, you know what the original suggestion for that match was? What's that? And I will, I will give credit to the person who came up with it. How about we have an evening gown match with Trish and Lita. Hmm. What do we do with the stooges? Uh, well, I was talking about the divas. We could have Trish and Lita in the evening game match, give a little sex appeal, you know, tear off the clothes and everything goes. God damn it, you're right. I love it. Patterson and Briscoe in drag in an evening gown match for the hardcore title. Dead silence. We're looking at each other and thinking, okay. Come on with the punchline. And Vince just writes it down. And Michael says, uh, boss, boss, I don't think you understood what I meant. I was thinking Trish and Lita against each other in an evening gown match. Ah, God damn it, Michael. We've seen that. We've never seen Patterson and Briscoe in drag. You gotta think entertainment. And for that's exactly how that conversation went. We're all sitting there scratching our heads going, how in the fuck did we get from that match to this match? And that's the one Vince loves. So therefore that's how we got our, uh, Patterson and Briscoe in drag. How did, uh, <coughs> how, how did Briscoe react to being told he's going to be put in drag? I'm not going to do it. You want me to wear a dress. Yeah. And, and lipstick and makeup and a wig. Fuck you. I'm not going to do it. Pat already had an outfit picked out the whole nine yards. What shade of lipstick he was going to wear everything. But, oh, it was. And it was probably one of the most talked about highest rated things we ever did. Meltzer would write about the only funny thing was Briscoe getting mad at the person showing him the dresses saying that since he's the champ, he needs to look better than Patterson. And then actually Patterson's interview complaining about the dresses was pretty funny. If they just canceled this travesty, (laughs) 
Patterson kissed Howard Finkel, which I can almost bet money Finkel didn't know was coming. Ross mainly did gay jokes about Patterson, such as his part-time job is doing rear end work at the body shop and Patterson stuffed a banana in Briscoe's mouth. And Ross mentioned there was no telling where that banana had been. Boy, that's funny. Uh, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, You got me, uh, the visual, um, thought of on that one was about enough to give someone morning sickness. Even if they weren't pregnant, Patterson then tried to shove a maxi pad in Briscoe's mouth and Patterson's dress still had a tag on it. They were ripping at each other's dresses, making sure that everyone saw their women's underwear and fans were booing this out of the building. I was swearing Russo had secretly jumped back and got his job back without an editor. Finally, Crash saved the day and hit Patterson with a garbage can to score the pin in the longest 187 seconds of recent wrestling history. Thankfully, all the old women in the front row with Cal Palace who used to idolize Patterson are no longer watching wrestling. Negative three stars. Oh, fuck him and his negative three stars. He He's like goddamn 10 stars all day long, twice on Sunday. Especially because it happened in the cow palace. How was Vince reacting to this watching in the back? <laughs> ah, God damn. I love it. He loved it. Vince absolutely loved it. Everybody loved it. It was great once it got going, but it was, um, you take two of the great all time, greatest workers in the business and stars and, a legitimate tough guy, Gerald Briscoe, and 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 just Pat Patterson probably being the best worker ever, and put him in dresses on the a hardcore title. The most hated jeweler in America makes holiday shopping easy. Steven Singer has the perfect gift for that special someone who's the center of your universe, the one who your whole world revolves around, that person who's the star of your love story. Show her. It's her with Steven's brand new exclusive star of love diamond necklace. Picture it, a star necklace covered in real sparkling diamonds with an open heart in the center. This beautiful necklace is just $128 plus fast and free shipping in time for Christmas. Great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive Buy real jewelry from a real jeweler. You can trust Steven singer is not in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. It's easy. Go now to I hate and click on the star of love diamond necklace. Steven's real expert jewelers are available seven days a week to help you in his showroom at the other corner of the eighth and Walnut in Philly by appointment only or through email chat, phone text, or virtual video appointments, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Available in the archives over at somethingtowrestle.com. Episode 109, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Three, and this is when there's a bit of a transition. On the WrestleMania 3 show, you may recall, Roddy Piper has his retirement match, or so we think at the time it will be, against Adrian Adonis, and it's a hair match. And at the end of that match, well, explain what happened with the hair here. 
Well, it was time for, I guess, Adrian to, to have his head shaved. And instead of Roddy doing it, it was an opportunity, I think, in Vince's mind that Vince had this character for Bruce Beefcake. Uh, he had broken up earlier in the night with his partner, Valentine, and split with his manager, Johnny V. So they send Beefcake out to actually do the shearing of Adrian Adonis's hair. And when they get out there, they learn the lesson that, unfortunately, New York didn't do a lot of hair matches, so they didn't really know the pitfalls. But they used a uh, battery-powered shear, which is not that powerful. And when you have someone with long, sweaty hair, it the shears get jammed up, and they're not that powerful. So Beefcake is out there. Beefcake is trying to cut Adrian's hair and trying to shave his head off, shave the hair off, not working. So they cut it up brutally. Uh, Beefcake does the best he can. And that night, the barber was born. And it really is amazing that that happened right before our eyes. Because even then, he himself didn't really know what's about to happen here. Of course, hair versus hair match. You know, these hair matches have been a big thing forever. But in Mexico, it was hair versus mask. A lot of times tell everybody about what a big blow off match, a hair match used to be a generation or two ago. Oh my God. It was everything, especially when you had a a hot heel with long hair or a pretty boy gimmick where you could shave someone's hair. Bald wasn't cool back in the seventies and eighties and sixties. What have you? It wasn't cool to be bald. Nowadays people shave their head and. I guess they look good bald, but it's not the stigma that it was back in those days. So you could have a match and the stipulation be whoever loses this match is going to get their head shaved bald in the middle of the ring. It was a humiliation factor to humiliate and take someone's identity away from them with long hair in Mexico. It was a pride thing. And you'd go the mask, which is the tradition in Mexico versus the hair. Usually the guy with the mask would win so he wouldn't have to be unmasked and you'd shave someone's head. But it always drew money. It drew great money. Uh, Gino Hernandez and Jose Lothario did two hair matches inside of a year in Houston, Texas, and both drew very well. So it just was a an educational process and a, and a culture thing. In the South and in other territories, it meant a lot. New York, Vince didn't get it. Who the hell cares about getting your hair cut? Didn't understand it. That's amazing, man. So he shows up about a week after WrestleMania three, and they're going to be doing a show in Rochester, New York, just like we are tomorrow night at BrucePritchard.com. He's at the war Memorial arena there. And in this dressing room, he starts laying out his gear when all of a sudden Renee Goulet strolls in and has some other producers in tow with him. And Renee hands him a white jacket and says, here it is. And Brutus says, here's what he takes the jacket from him. And he says, it's your new gimmick. You're the barber now. And Leslie flips out. He had no idea he was getting a new persona. He was just now getting comfortable being Brutus beefcake and making money with it and feeling good about it. And now they're going to make him into a wrestling barber. He wrote in his book. I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. Were you involved in creative at all yet? I mean, what were at this point, did you know about the Brutus, the barber beefcake thing at all? Or do you find out about it? Like everybody else does. 
I was in the production meeting when Vince announced it uh, to everybody else in the production meeting and that Brutus Beefcake would now be known as the Barber uh, or Brutus the Barber Beefcake and that he felt there was a disconnect. I think that Beefer had already worked a couple of TV tapings and Vince was like, God damn, he's a baby face now. And there's got to be a change in the gimmick. We, we, he's, he's now the barber. He shaved Adonis's head. I, I want him to be a stylist. And that was Vince's thing. Yes, his name was the barber. But Vince, and in the promos that Beefcake did and in the vignettes that we did with Beefcake, it was all about being a stylist. And that's what Vince wanted Beefcake to be, is to be, yes, he's Brutus the Barber, but he's going to style their hair. And it was all based on the world champion barber, Sal Fedora, who was Vince's personal barber. <sighs> Phenomenal. And the the very first, the first vignettes, not these, these weren't vignettes, these were just pictures where they took Beefcake down to... Um, a barbershop and shot some pictures with him and shit. Before you tell that story, let me continue the story that he tells in his book about being told he's going to be the barber. He immediately tells Renee, I am not the barber. And, and he says, Oh yes. Yes, you are. So says Pat and Brutus wrote in his book. I should have known Pat Patterson was gay. He gay faved for a long time, but all the boys knew he liked men take nothing away from him. He was, and is still probably the greatest storyteller in the game. But if I was in the ring, trying to be a lady killer, cutting hair, wasn't my idea getting chicks. You see Pat Patterson's lifelong partner, Louie was some kind of stylist or something. Having me be a barber just felt like it was a way for Pat to get his jollies. You know, seeing a decent looking wrestler in barber attire was probably a way to get his rocks off at my expense. I immediately pictured Pat sitting in a barbershop chair with one of those black smocks on. When the barber starts running his fingers through Pat's hair, you could see the black material of the smock rise and pitch a tent in his lap. I got cold chills. This is disgusting. It felt like Pat was projecting some sort of weird fetish onto me and would live vicariously through watching my matches or something. I don't know. All I know is I didn't like any of it. So he's really reaching here in the book, but you could tell. He fucking did not like this barber idea, but there is a little bit of truth in that Pat's partner. Louie was a stylist, but maybe Pat's he's partner. Louie was, yeah, he sure was. But the idea for the barber was Vince McMahon's right. So if they don't like something rather than blame Vince and rather to go, rather go to Vince, it's so much easier to blame everyone else and, and accuse somebody else of doing it. So that's just kind of the, the MO and, in the wrestling business, if you will. It's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about, um, and this is kind of fun. There is a, a rule of thumb with enhancement talent in the era. How much were guys for a typical enhancement match? Let's say Mr. Perfect is going to beat somebody for superstars. Roughly how much money would the guy he beat make that night? I think guys made like two fifty back then. Now, hypothetically, if they were to get their hair cut by Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake, how much would they make? Probably a couple hundred extras, a bonus for cutting your hair. So there you go. Your boy, George South figured this out and, uh, started to decide I'm not cutting my hair for shit. I'm going to grow it out and then go let Brutus beat me. And, uh, he'd get a $200 bonus whenever he got the haircut, which is really pretty awesome. 
one of the other things he sort of freestyle when he was first talking about doing this was the different ways he could cut the hair. So there's scissors, there's, uh, his actual garden shears, the electric razor, and he would even cut some hair off and throw handfuls of it up in the air just to sort of pop the crowd and let them see what was going on. But a couple of times he even sprayed the letter B in hairspray on their chest and then would throw glitter at them. So their chest would have a big glittery B. I don't remember ever seeing that, but that's all in his book here. what did you think of the glittery B? Well, yeah, it was, it was marking his territory, if you will. And it was styling. It wasn't just styling their hair. It was giving them a complete stylist makeover and beefcake. You know, I'd use the, the paint and everything and put his own brand and his own mark on everybody that he worked with. So some guys got a little bit uh, less of a haircut, more paint. Other guys, a little bit more of a, more of a haircut and less paint. All right, check it out. The holidays are here. And this year you can give yourself the gift of extra money in your pocket, pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. You can roll your high interest rate credit card payments into just one payment at a lower fixed rate. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. And you can get a loan from 5,000 to a hundred thousand dollars. Plus there are absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, and no prepayment penalties. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. And by the way, this has been my experience. You've heard about this story forever here on the show, but years ago I used Lightstream. I had my money the very next day. It's the easiest process I ever did. It was the best interest rate I ever got. And right now my listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L I G H T S T R E A M.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com forward slash wrestle. Whether you own or rent Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. From the archives at something to wrestle.com episode 227, Bob Backlund. Let's, uh, let's talk about Pat Patterson here for a minute. Meltzer would write the angle where Jim Ross got put in the chicken wing aired on superstars over the weekend and he was wearing a sling on action zone the next day bob backland also put a sound man in the chicken wing on raw and this repush of backland was one of pat patterson's last ideas patterson has officially retired and cleaned out his desk as of december 1st and is scheduled to move to florida full-time of course we know pat patterson never really retires uh he's going to be back before you know it but this was one of his big initiatives pushing Bob Backlund and, uh, how easy was it to convince Jim Ross to take the chicken wing? Of course, over the years, you're going to break cement blocks over his head and shatter glass jars and make him kiss people's ass and pull his head out of his own ass and have Austin beat him up. But I think this is one of the first times we saw Jim Ross and some physicality. Talk to me about Jim Ross being involved physically and 
how Pat Patterson may or may not have been involved in all that. Well, good old Jr. was the play-by-play. He was your host of the show that everyone knew and loved. So if you want to get heat, why not go after him and beat him up, a defenseless play-by-play guy? Then when someone comes to the rescue of Jr., the problem was trying to find anyone that would come to the rescue. I like the idea of putting a sound man in the chicken wing on raw too. I mean, just having him go crazy and, and, and attack everybody was, was good stuff. He is back in the Royal rumble again in 1996. This time he's eliminated by Yokozuna. He does this, uh, backland for president gimmick, but it's sort of going unnoticed for a while. Do you think with Pat maybe easing out and there's nobody championing for it and it just doesn't get the TV time it did before? Did Vince get bored with it? Why do you think it started to take a bit of a backseat? It just kind of petered out, you know, and I think that we actually had Bob register to run for president and it just petered out. It, it just, uh, you know, you had a lot of steam at the beginning. And then after a while, the real, pe- the real presidential race was just, uh, garnering the headlines and not what we were doing. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Talk about Madison square garden, May 19th, 1996. Savio Vega is going to defeat Bob Backlund in his last singles match at Madison square garden. In fact, this is Backlund's last match for the WWF during this run. Had it just run its course and it's time to, uh, move on. It had, and I think Bobby had grown tired of traveling and not doing anything without being involved in the storyline. So it's time for Bob to take a little rest. Well, as we said, the last WrestleMania appearance for Backlund, WrestleMania 13, Rocky Mavi is going to pin the Sultan. Afterwards, Backlund, Sheik, and Sultan would attack, and uh, Rocky makes the save. Backlund's last appearance is at the Free for All in 97 for In Your House Revenge of the Taker. He's going to manage Sultan to get a win over flash funk. And afterwards it's just the iron Sheik managing Sultan. Did Bob want to leave or did you guys invite Bob to leave? Bob was ready to leave. And I think again, you know, it goes back. Bob just felt he wasn't being used the way he really wanted to be used and was ready to go home. Let's see Corky. Takes a little bit of a break, but he pops back up in 2000 for an appearance at Madison square garden at the Royal rumble. He helps eliminate Rikishi before he's eliminated by Chris Jericho. Is this just to feel good? Hey, we're in MSG. We need a surprise every year for WrestleMania or for the Royal Rumble. We need a few surprises. What about Bobby? Yes. And, and it was, you know, Bob from time to time would be, Hey, um, I've got some dates. I'm going to be around. Can you use me? And Bob would drive to town just to be used. He, he was, just well, Bob's Bob's available. Yeah. Let's do something with Bob. All right. Listen up folks. I want to give you a pro tip. I also want to give you, I guess, a peek behind the curtain, some things I'm doing in my real life right now, especially for the holiday season. And I think this will come in handy for you. If your family won't be together for the holidays, here's a way to bring everybody together safely. Of course, I'm talking about a hand painted portrait compilation from PaintYourLife.com. It really is the perfect gift. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something truly unique, something really personal, 
It doesn't get any better than paintyourlife.com. You already know the drill. You get an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from any photo, all at an affordable price. Now, here's the thing about this. This is a no brainer, no matter what time of year it is, but this year, especially because it's been so challenging, I'm looking to hit some home runs. Uh, my uncle passed away earlier this year and uh, it was rather unexpected. So I've got two cousins who, because of our age difference, almost consider me their uncle and I'm going to get them a hand painted portrait uh, of their mom and their dad, uh, who have both, uh, passed away. Unfortunately. But what a cool present that's going to be. You know, these kids are used to getting gift cards, from them. Uh, but now they're older, you know, they're in their twenties. They've got successful careers going. I must be honest. If I polled them right now and said, Hey man, I've given you a gift card for the last 10 years. What'd you get? They would have no idea. They will never forget this painting. This is real. And what's cool that they're doing right now is you can put together folks who never met. And this is just blowing my mind what they've been able to do. They can put. Uh, a compilation together. So maybe you've got a photo of like my uncle. Now, if one of my little knucklehead cousins already had a baby on the way, which I don't think they do, but if they had a baby, dude, how cool would it be to have a photo done of their dad with their son that they never met? And some of our listeners have done this and they've shown them to me by DM. I can't believe that this is a, a real thing. Do you want to talk about personal and special? Uh, no one will ever forget a gift like that. And by the way, they make it easy. You can send any picture right off your phone if you want. Yourself, your children, your family, a pet, a special place. But the real magic is when you combine those photos. You can create stuff that never happened. So maybe you had a new addition to your family. Why don't you give your parents a photo of your child with your parents? My goodness. It, it's a home run. And you can choose from a team of world-class artists. You work with them until every detail is perfect. You're ordering a custom-made hand-painted portrait dude in less than five minutes and it's so quick you get it in about three weeks i can't recommend it enough it's meaningful it's personal it can be cherished forever it makes the perfect gift for someone you love or yourself and at paintyourlife.com there's no risk if you don't love the final painting your money is refunded guaranteed right now is a limited time offer get 20 percent off your painting that's right 20 percent off and free shipping to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's WRESTLE to 64000. Text WRESTLE to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. From Something to Wrestle With, Episode 193, New Year's Revolution, 2005. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here because I, I've always wanted to ask about... Um, well, there's a bit of a controversy with Pat Patterson because it doesn't feel like anybody knows, you know, why he really left. But the rumor and innuendo is that he resigned in October and allegedly it's because he was frustrated with triple H's power behind the scenes. And Wade would write the story going around was that Patterson felt Hunter had too much power behind the scenes and too much of a push on the air. Hunter, of course, called these reports completely unfounded. And, uh, he would continue upon further checking this week, Hunter appears to be speaking the truth as Patterson himself has since told people that his resignation did not have anything to do with Hunter sources. Now say the reports of tension between them were blown out of proportion. Uh, Patterson had been talking of retiring for a few months before actually doing so. And when he made the decision sources close to him say it was not prompted by anything triple H did. Uh, so I guess there was some maybe disagreements here or there. Uh, between the two and people just sort of 
play the old telephone, telegram, telewrestler, and it becomes something bigger than it really is? That's complete bullshit. I, I mean, I started to laugh when you said Pat Patterson's retirement. Because he's still around. <laughs> well, yes, he's still around now. And, and Pat, I think that the... Okay, first Pat retired from uh, being in the ring. Then Pat retired in the office. He got a big screen TV then. Then he came back, and then he retired again. Got a second big screen TV. And then he came back, and, and I told him the... The second time he came back, said, okay, Patterson, this is it. No more big screen TVs for you, motherfucker. You're going you're gonna to stay a while this time. So Pat had a tendency to, when he would be on the road for a while, he would get tired. He would just get burnt out. And at, that, at this point in his career, he was single. Um, he was living life. And he couldn't do that being gone as many days a week as it took to be on the road and everything. So he looked at it and just wanted to have more me time. And Pat was fed up with the business at that point. When I say fed up with the business, he was fed up with the travel. He was fed up with, you know, being at the building at 11 o'clock for a production meeting and then having to do the show and then talk about it afterwards. You know, oh boy, I'm sick of it already. Um, just, yeah, it was just Pat being tired and Pat wanting to not commit. Now, here's the other funny thing about this is people say Pat retired. Pat didn't fucking retire. Pat just cut back on his schedule. Right. So instead of going to every single TV and every single pay-per-view, it's like, hey, Pat, come on out for the pay-per-views. And make the TV afterwards. And... That was a good schedule for a while. Every once in a while, he would want to come out and do something else. So um, all of that, the Pat retiring, heavy heat with Triple H, that's 100% just bullshit. That's something that someone made up to try and come up with a story to sell news dirt sheet fucking subscriptions or something to go, oh, hey, here's the real scoop. No, there was nothing there. That was Pat being frustrated and wanted to go off and live life and not be tied down every week. Right. Couple Joe's is home to over 50 brands of cigars, including your favorites like Monte Cristo, acid, Java, David off, Rocky Patel, Kristoff, and more. Whether you're looking to try new cigars and singles, maybe get a whole box. We've got you covered with great prices and excellent customer service. Check out our page right now at cupofjoes.com forward slash podcast for exclusive deals. Just because you listen to something to wrestle. Now you can also email info at cupojoes.com to reach our cigar specialists. If you will, our cigars are carefully stored in a beautiful walk-in humidor to ensure that your cigars are fresh and humidified. They also have lighters, cutters, and other cigar accessories available. You got to go check this out. And this is a great, I can't emphasize this enough. Great Christmas present. If you've got a cigar smoker and aficionado, if you will, in your life, or maybe someone who has been talking about getting into it hit a home run at cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. That's C-U-P-O-J-O-E-S.com, cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. It's uh, It was a hit in my family. It'll be a hit in yours too. Cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. Get a great deal. Some great brands from our friends at cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. 
from Something to Wrestle With live in Chicago from adfreeshows.com. We pray that they will show up, but we never know if they're actually going to show up. So we- Yeah. 
This is how I, I, I tricked Pat into coming out here and joining us. Pat Patterson is I one of the greatest singers. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you do the house. Thanks for the house tonight, Pat. Appreciate it. So what I do is I say, hey, Pat, you want to come out and sing? Because this son of a bitch can sing unlike anybody you've no, ever heard. No, no, no. And so... We're gonna have him sing a song, then he's gonna sit down, we're gonna we're gonna talk, we're gonna tell a few stories. Sing sing a song, and then if you would sit down, we'll tell a few stories, and then maybe sing another song for us. Would you do that? I don't know. I wanna make these people happy. But you know what I think? Look over here I see them all, but over there, look at them. They're all in the closet up there. Come on out, don't worry. No, I'm only joking, come on. And the music. <laughs>
This is good as it gets, guys. Hey, the motherfucker created the Royal Rumble. Y'all hear me?
good, good, good guy, Matthew. We had a lot of fun together, blah, 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 blah. But we always like to share a room with Bobby, you know what I mean? And because we turn the lights off and we go, are you, what do you think we're going to do tomorrow? I said, I don't know. I'm going to sleep. Okay. And before you know it, he starts talking again. He can't fucking shut up. You know what I mean? Dark. And the way that we like to go to bed, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the room already, and he, in by the door, he likes to come running in, and you give him a hip toss, boom, right on his bed. So I thank you, Pat. Thank you, Ralph. Have a good night. No problem. So anyway, this shit hole hotel, <laughs> at this goddamn place, and I said. We can't stay in this hotel anymore. Bobby says, well, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out if it's clean. We lift up the, the mattress, the, uh, what you may call the, uh, the hole. Wait, 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 hang on, you're leaving something out. What? You guys wanted to leave a present in the hotel room. Well, of course. So, he, he's, he's trying to be nice. They're uh, you know what, this shit hotel, we're not gonna stay again, so we'll leave a part of ourselves here. So they were going to take a shit underneath the bed, and yeah. you lifted the bed, and and whether we seen we seen a lot of shit there. <laughs> no, somebody else did it. <laughs> oh yeah. Process that, guys. Oh. They lifted up the mattress to take a shit on the box springs to fuck with the next guest, and when they lift it to shit, oh, there's God. already shit there. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Welcome to Chicago. <laughs> so, we, we, we spent a lot of time together. We yeah. traveled up and down the road. And there were times that Pat would drive and we would do Monday Night Raw and it would be Pat, me, and Vince in a car. Pat would drive. Vince and I would, we wouldn't talk that night after Raw, and, and I would be producing backstage, Vince would be doing commentary. So a lot of times we would finish, we'd get the hell out of Dodge, we'd get in the car and start driving, and Vince and I would fight. Yeah. And just, fuck you, fuck yeah! And just back and forth, back and forth. And there were nights that this one would just pull over to the side of the road, pull into a bar, get out, walk inside, Vince and I would still be arguing, we'd be sitting in the car by ourselves, and. He'd look at me and go, where's Patrick? I don't know, I think he had piss or maybe he's having a smoke or something. We would continue and we would go in and Pat would be sitting at the other end of the bar. Having a drink, smoking a cigarette. And we walk out, what are you doing, Patrick? Having a cigarette and having a beer. And then he'd be like, fuck you two. Go down to the end of the bar. When you're done arguing, come back down here and get me and we'll fucking go. I, I, I had an uh, affectionate name that they used to call me because I would get mad and Vince and I would fight. And I would sit in the front seat, Pat would drive, and, and the two of them would fuck with me. I'm not oh, fucking, you'd be talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it clear. Okay. <laughs> and they would pick on me. And we would be, Vince would, Vince would bartend in the back, opening up beers. He was a good bartender, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 
they would, they would keep going and keep going, and they would have a bet between them. How many beers is it going to take for Bruce to snap? <laughs> and they would call me Pout Boy. <laughs> and then finally it would be number 10 or 11. Ah, fuck you! Fuck you! And we would go and drive this one absolutely nuts. But what were your best bit story, funny haha? Well, there was a lot of them. A lot of them, I used to travel on the road with Vince sometimes. And uh, he was always working, looking at the book while I'm driving. And then I would pull on the side of the road, and he's half asleep. I'd pull on the side of the road because I know now, and I was a smoker and that was a bad habit, but I would pull in the rest area while Vince is asleep. Wow, perfect. Now I can have a cigarette. So I open the door, come outside of the car, and before you know it, Vince opens the door. We are gone. I think I want to have a cigarette. What do you think? He hates cigarette smokers. What do you think he's doing? He's walking with me, talking about business while I'm having a cigarette. But, Pat, you could at least go take a shit and get away from him, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, never forget that. Oh, my God. That was the cue to tell the fucking story. <laughs> Should have told me that. I forgot that. That was in, that was in Houston. That was in Houston. Now, yeah, well, Houston. It yeah, was. You're right. Okay, I'm sorry. It was in Houston. We were waiting for a plane to go back to New York. And was, in those days, you know, you could smoke everywhere and all that stuff. And Vince hated that. And uh, when I'm with Vince, the book is open. We have to talk and talk about the business, talk about the business. I'm saying to myself, Vince, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. I didn't have to go to the bathroom just to get away from him. That's all. <laughs> So I go there, I go to the men's room, and I'm sitting down on the stall, and I'm just, oh, my God, I don't have to listen to him. Jesus Christ. And I'm reading a little magazine, and, and before you, somebody comes to the next stall, and, Pat. Yeah? You all right? Yeah. Pat, open your book. We started talking about booking the matches. I swear it's true. True story. I'm telling you. He was a work, he's a workaholic. I mean, you're with him, you have to be working all the time. Yeah. So, Pat, M Mr. Patterson, rather, th there's a, a fun character on our show that we like to talk about, and, well, let's just say it, it's Jerry Jarrett. And. Oh, you, you're the master of that. He is the master to imitate. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, poor guy. Is he still alive? I don't know. Neither does he. <laughs> I don't remember, but I mean, we drove him crazy. So, okay. And, and obviously, Pat got here late. We didn't even know he was going to show up, what have you. And so, yeah, he saw. So, without any preparation, without anything. Patrick, to clear the record for everyone. Rumor and innuendo, if you will, was that way back when Jerry Jarrett came to the WWE, that he was coming in to replace Vince and run the company. True or false? If you know one thing about Bruce and I, you know that we love our damn dogs. But what you might not have known is that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut. 
or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of our pets. Now, Solid Gold was the first holistic pet food company in America, started way back in 74 by Sissy McGill. You might say Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a male-dominated industry and created a natural pet food way before it was cool. Sissy was inspired by European pet food and the fact that those European Great Danes live more and live longer than those American counterparts. In her first recipe, Hunden Flocken, that's now provided high-quality nutrition and digestive health for more than 20 generations of dogs. Solid Gold's nutritional platform has been inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way for us to impact our pet's mind, body, and spirit. And for over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food, and supplements like sea meal, and of course, 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. And that's Bruce's dog Dodger's absolute favorite. Solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive health with whole superfoods. They're going to balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, all supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out. And right now to save 30% on solid gold products, just go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember, solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast today. To replace Vince and run the company. True or false? <laughs> oh my, there won't be no WWE anymore. Forget it. <laughs> Was that ever the plan? I don't know. That was his plan. That was Jared's plan? Yeah. And he was trying to come over, take over. But was that Vince's plan? Vince probably wanted to. I don't know what he was coming. How many drinks did you have? No, uh, no, I had one too many. We don't. We're in Chicago, Pat. Money in the bank tomorrow at Rosemont Horizon All-State Arena. What's your name again? <laughs> so, a few months ago, one of the first times I hung out with Pat at a show is the, day, the night before we were confirming that Pat was actually going to appear for the very first time at one of our live shows. Because, surprise, Pat doesn't listen to a lot of podcasts. And... Bruce had told me forever that they talk like this special language. And I was like, you're fucking making that up. And then I actually saw them at dinner, see each other for the first time in a while, and... They were just shooting public, y'all. We get it. We understand. We just had an entire fucking conversation. Fuck y'all. You know one thing that was fun? That when you there at that time at the office, at the office, and everybody was so quiet, no noise, nothing. It had to be perfect, okay? So 
get to take the elevator when you come to work in the morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. You take the elevator to go to your room and all that stuff. So what I did one time, I took, I had some little piece of card like this, print and out of order. And I would put that on all the buttons on each elevator floor. <laughs> out of order. Me, I'm in my office, no problem. You can see every morning, seven, every morning, that morning at 7.30, every, everybody's walking up the stairs, all the way, including Vince and Linda. <laughs> and me, what I would do, because when everybody is working in their office, I would slowly walk down the hallway, I look around, I push the button, the elevator would open, Look, I would jump into the elevator, doors closed up. I go all the way down to the floor. Now when I go down to the floor, the door opens, and I go to the guy with the garbage, and I would take all that stuff, and I'm going, oh my God, I walked all the way down here. Oh, I can't, I have to walk back all the way down. All the garbage, oh my God. No, he thinks I'm going back, you know, walking all the way up. No, I'm looking around, he's not there, push the button, I go all the way back up. <laughs> I swear to God, and the doors are about open, I look around, nobody, boom, I come out, never there. Oh, I did that for about three, four days. <laughs> we, we used to have a guy that would come to the office to shine shoes. Oh my God, my <laughs> What'd you do to him, Pat? Well, I, it was new to me. The, the, the company, I've never, I've never worked in an office. And uh, this first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth floor. And this guy on, on Thursday, I think on Thursday, he was allowed to walk into the office. On every floor, he would go around the building. Indeed, you have your sh shoes shine. And people would put their shoes on the floor. And he would take the shoes and he had a little box and he would sit in the hallway and shine the shoes and all that stuff and he'd go all the way around, you know. So I said, wait a minute, that was too good. So he goes and go and look and find some shoes. I grab his box and all this, uh, all the grease that goes with it and I go and hide it in the ladies' room. And this, this is an old man now. He comes walking in, he, he can't find his box. And he's panicking. No, oh, somebody lost my box. Oh, my, my, they make my money. Oh, my God. All the secretaries are going out to build. I mean, they're going fucking crazy. This guy's going to have a heart attack. Jesus Christ. Pandemonium. And, and, and the whole building. I get a phone call in my office. Patrick? Yeah, I was meant. I said, do you have anything to do with that? I said, yes. He said, <laughs> And he says, I love it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Don't look at me. i tell you what, one other thing we did. We kind of got in trouble for it. <laughs> so Vince is having a big meeting with Hulk Hogan. Hulk had been, been out for a little bit. <laughs> and Hulk is coming into the office to have this sit down with Vince. And we don't even see Hulk when he comes in and all that shit. He goes into Vince's office and everything. Pat and I are in our office and I had, uh, remember those Hulk buddies, the, the wrestling buddies? Yeah. Something. 
as a path. What if we like take one of these little Hulk Hogan buddies and we tied a noose, we tied, we tied a rope around his neck and Pat and I go up to the roof and we position ourselves right in front of Vince's office. And this one lowers the rope down and we get it right in front of Vince's office so that it's facing in. So that we know where Vince is sitting in the office and we assume Hulk won't be able to fucking see it because Hulk would be sitting with his back to it so he could be facing Vince. And, and we lower it down and we're sitting there and we're laughing our asses off. Let's go on. Next thing we know, we hear a boom, boom. The door on the roof is open. And we hear a passion! Somebody stole my 
for one car and one stop. Yeah, and JR kept asking for who had his keys and can he give them back. And, and, and there was someone that had that had the key and they lived in Sarasota, Florida. Kind of talked like this a little bit. And uh, yeah, I'm telling this story one day. I said, yeah, JR really wants the rest of his keys and everything. He says, really? Listen to this. Yeah, you hear like a clink goes, that's the Gulf of Mexico. So if he's looking for them, they're there. <laughs> So if you want, and you cue the music, and give us one more song, and then, uh... You want to do it your way, or you want to do it my way? Your way. Well, it's my way. Your way. You know what I mean. Your way. So, hit the music. This is my love Case of which I'm certain I'll 
close out this very special Best of Pat Patterson episode of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, we bring you the closing moments from the My Friend Pat episode. And just started having fun with the show, which is what a live event was for. Try shit, but give them some gaga. Don't just, you know, just don't go out and here's a couple of matches and shit. It's the most boring fucking thing in the world. Give them some shit. They watch the television show, which is what brings them to the event. But then when they get to the event, all they see is fucking wrestling matches. Well, see the personalities. Give me a promo. Give me some shit. Give me a twist and a turn. Make something develop and happen that night that you didn't expect to happen. You can do that in a live event. But it was always the formula, traditional, to, oh, well, you have your main event. Here's your card. People want to see wrestling matches. They wanted to be entertained. So entertain them. And that was that was Pat's whole thing. Pat was all about passion. Pat was about being able to go out and and try. Every night, he would start with a blank canvas. What worked in San Diego may not work in New Hampshire. So you get out there, you get a vibe, and, and you go with it. You, you play, and you, you paint a new picture each night. Then when you get to television, you decide which which story and how how that story is going to be told um, on television and and how uh, you know it it's there was never a a more stand up guy you know if, if someone disagreed with Pat Pat went to him confronted him Randy Savage was so upset with Pat one time because he felt that he had been slighted. Because his father wasn't invited to the uh, old-timers battle royal in the Meadowlands. Pat got on a plane and flew to Tampa to confront Randy. So, Randy, if you're mad, at, you're mad at someone, I'm the guy that made that decision. I'm the guy that made the oversight. Be mad at me, and I'm standing here right in front of you right now. You want to punch me? Punch me. Do whatever it is you want to do. But no, I'm not going to fucking run from you and I'm not going to not address it because here's what's happened and here's why. That's the kind of guy Pat was. So when you you go through years of of misunderstanding and, and putting things on Pat because of his choices in life um, to those that have never met the man, uh, and say things like that, I say, fuck you. Um, because there, there was not a, a better, uh, warmer, decent human being. I, I love throughout all this going back and, and finding pictures of Pat with the kids when they were babies. Yep. And it was, I don't know who was, <laughs> Who was happier that I had kids, you know, me or, or Pat and Louie. And they, they were just, um, we, we, we lost, we lost Louie, um, in the middle of that. And he, he was so influential in, in all of our lives that, you know, we talked about naming our kids, Pat and Louie. 
having a boy and a girl, hey, it works. However the fuck you want to slice it. And um, we changed that, but but still, it's the whole life when you I don't know. People sometimes will sit there and go, they'll say, what it I don't care what people say. Um, sat there the other day and realized that more than half of my life was spent with Vince and Pat. And, you know, there was 10 years there I was gone from the company but I still had a relationship with Vince and Pat. And Pat came to our shows when we did live shows and sang, did his karaoke and was a part of it and told stories and opened up. And I think that that allowed people to see him and hear him in a different way. Um, But Pat Patterson, the man, was able to help me through navigate. Now, think about that, man. Here's a guy that came to the States not understanding the language. Lived his dream. Was a gay man in a straight man's business, as they always would say. And succeeded, over-exceeded, and excelled. And was the best at what he did changed and innovative innovated a business that some people would probably say oh, he should never should have been in well not only should he have been in it he it wouldn't be the same if there were not a pat patterson he did things he didn't have to do he would make sense of things for me spell it out where i'm a kid And I don't know. I reacted a certain way, and I probably reacted immaturely. And here's a guy that doesn't have to take the time, taking the time to explain to me how I could have handled things differently. And the little tweaks in my life that Pat made, much like the little tweaks that Pat made in stories that he told, made all the difference in my life. Two words, what if? Instead of telling the boss, the owner of the company, the chairman, God damn, that idea just sucks. It's fucking stupid. I don't get it. Taught me how to approach it from a viewpoint of, okay, if you disagree with it, cool. Come up with an alternative and present it is a what if, not your idea sucks, mine's better. It's your idea has merit, what if we tried this? And that applies in, in everybody in every 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 wake of life and every your personal life, your business life, whatever. And Pat taught me to love people for who they are and what they are, not 
stereotypes and what you think or what uh, are definitely not what other people think. Uh, I have the the utmost respect and love for that man that I I could only hope that every one of you listening have someone in your life that like a Pat Patterson um He's a genius. <sighs> he was he, he was the best friend you could ever ask for, man. Uh, do whatever he wanted. Always there to listen. You always knew where he stood. And I I love him. Um, and he's going to be missed. Already is. This has been one of the worst weeks of my life. <laughs> and... Uh, Sorry about that. Um, Losing someone in your life is always hard, but losing someone that is a part of your life and a part of you is even harder. And and Pat was so much a part of me. And Jerry Briscoe and I were talking last night and, and just... He was so much more. He was so much more than somebody we worked with. And in this business, you have so many acquaintances and you have so many people you know. You have very few true friends that you can say, hey, he's my friend. And I love him. And Pat Patterson, my friend, I love you. And I didn't, you know, couldn't tweet, couldn't talk. I mean, Vince and I all week. Would all would avoid the subject alone and just tell stories. And some of those I told today. And I'm just sad that I won't have any more. But I'm thankful and grateful for for the years that, that I, I got to spend and be with him. And to anybody that's a fan of this business, you'll never know the contributions that that man made to this business over the last 50 years. Um, and 50 years from now, 
when somebody says, hey, grab a quick one. That's a Pat Patterson quick one. When somebody else says, Epicase, that's Pat Patterson. When you're talking about the 100th Royal Rumble, wouldn't be if that wasn't Pat Patterson. And when you talk about one of the greatest workers, greatest minds of this business, you're still going to be talking about Pat Patterson and the single best finish man in the business. And that's Pat Patterson. And he's touched so many people's lives and you don't even know it. And that's all I got. Because it's, again, I, I couldn't tweet. I couldn't I couldn't find the words. I couldn't. And when I called you to say, hey, Audible, it's just because I had to get it out. And, I, and it was my way of dealing. And there's so much more. Fuck, we, we haven't even done a deep dive. No, and we will. I mean, I, I think we made the right call. I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of this show and, and to pay homage to your great friend. And it's, it's weird because there's so many tentacles to all of this. I think sometimes we fans just think it's, you know, it happens when we turn the TV on and then when we turn the TV off, it's over. Uh, but of course I'm friends with your wife, Stephanie on Facebook. And when all this happened, she posted a lot of family candid photos through the years of you guys and the kids and, and Pat and Louie. And for the first time I texted you a couple of days ago and said, I just watched Pat's hall of fame speech for the very first time. I never saw it. And obviously the company was in a different place back then, but to just see Pat be so proud to receive that award. And you could see the affection he had for Vince when he thanked him, not only for what he had done for wrestling. And he said, in whatever year it was in the mid nineties, can you imagine wrestling being any bigger than this? but he's going to find a way and thank you for that. But mostly thank you for being my friend and you see the smile come across Vince's face and you just know, I think that's Vince's mom seated to his left. This is a family thing and it's so wild to see that. And then at the end, again, this is the mid nineties, a different time. He said, I'm going to do this for the very first time. I want to thank a very special guy in my life, a very dear friend and a companion. And he thanked Louie and said he was going to share this award with him. What a fucking touching moment, man, because, you know, this sounds silly now in the context of 2020, but back then that was a big deal. And he was such an innovator and a trailblazer and so brave and so such a creative genius and so giving and yeah, it's, it's immeasurable. The impact he's had, not only on the WWF and not only professional wrestling, but the world people, and we lost a great one and there's no way that we can do a show like this and really tell that story in a couple hours. So we're going to do another deep dive on, on Pat some other time. As I said, I've got 46 pages of notes. I'm rip roaring, ready to go, but Bruce, I just wanted today to give you a chance to not talk about what he did, but to talk about how he made you feel 
because that's really the memory from the people who knew him the most. It's not the inventor of the Royal rumble. It's not the first intercontinental champion. It's, you know, hanging a noose with Hulk Hogan and peeing all around the car and gimmicking up the steak sauce and then taking the time with a, a young brash cocky thinks he's got life figured out office guy and saying, Hey, now let me teach you about life. He was all of that to everyone and to hear it from your perspective. I don't think we could have done him any more justice today. So thank you for being open and honest and vulnerable and real. And Pat Patterson will be sorely missed by a lot of people. He will. And thank you all for listening and giving a shit enough to listen. Pat is, is the guy that so many ways just made it all happen. And for me personally, kept my happy ass together and, uh, Godspeed and I love you, Pat. And uh, you are missed. We'll be back next week with another episode of something to wrestle. He's at Bruce Pritchard. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And none of that matters. Pat Patters was 79. Okay. Yeah, fuck. I, I need to get that shit out. <laughs> I am pretty good. <laughs> oh, fuck me, man. I'm fucked up weak. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, High quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.